Yeah, so uh, I thought that Oppenheimer was a theoretical physicist, but turns out he actually existed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Welcome to a new season of For Hip. Uh, If you're wondering uh, what happened to Gonneke's voice, well... You're not the only one wondering. Who are you? Who am I? Yeah, who are you? Who are you? I am Caroline. Oh, Caroline van der Plaas. No, it's Caro! Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay. Um, yes. Welcome back to Verhip. If you think to yourself, hey, I recognize that guy, but who is she? Well, that's Caro. Uh, if you listen to our Vera live show, then you might be like, hey, <laughs> hey, connecting the dots already. He's like, hey, 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 I think I know. Because, yeah, as we uh, were sad to inform you last year, Gonneke has left the Verhip, uh, com- no, not the community. Uh, Let's hope but not. Yeah, but she uh, she she is gone as a, a steady host of the show. So uh, I've been wondering about if uh, traveled far and wide this summer, mm. looked under every stone at every beach, <laughs> uh, and in every uh, forest and and whatnot. Uh, eventually, I walked into a thrift store, mm. and there I saw a nice T-shirt, and attached to the T-shirt was Caro. Uh, and uh, yeah, only then she said like, hey, do you actually have a host for, for, for hip? And I was like, no. <laughs> that is exactly how you would find me. I, I mean, there were some indications before that I might be a match, for example, you know, the Vera podcast. Yeah. So I, I was a guest before, but uh, mm. I'm going to But we're going to do the big match test right now because I've got some questions for you. So even our, our viewers back home, they're viewers, by the way. Viewers, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I noticed that in previous editions. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, what exactly? They're well, our viewers at, back home also have to accept you, of course. I think that we're we're halfway there. You already did some, but I've got some questions, some okay. very important questions. Also, with Animal Day coming up, they have an Animal Day inflection. So I want to start by asking you, what is your favorite animal, Caro? My favorite animal. Well, okay, it, it gets clump- complicated right away because I am a, a really big animal. Lover. Mm-hmm. I love films, but I, I love a- animals maybe even more. I don't know if we need to create some kind of a hierarchy here, but <laughs> I, I really love animals, and I, it's very hard for me to choose. But um, uh, I went to the zoo this year, and I think the most enchanting thing to me was the, the sea turtles. Oh, good. So right now I'll go, I'll go with turtles. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite tractor brand? Very important question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one will divide a lot of views. I, I see. Um, I I don't have a favorite. <laughs> 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 uh, I love them all equally. Uh, wrong answer, but sure, we'll get, keep on going. Okay. But what what was the right answer? Well, I I, I love a good um, what's it called the red one, the the messy uh, messy Ferguson. I love a good messy. I see. I couldn't think of my favorite that, that I, uh, as we say in the Dutch, uh, in the Dutch, uh, as we say in Dutch, I fell through the basket a bit. But um, <laughs> I, I like the green ones personally. Chandelier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very committed. I can see. Okay, what is the last film that you saw that 
blew you away. That I thought there was a film podcast, but now I'm supposed to be some kind of tractor uh, expert. I already <laughs> went to the film question now. Okay, <laughs> yes, thank you. What is the, um, the last on. film that you saw that blew you away? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, and yes, you have to be a tractor expert as well. That's very important. Okay, you didn't mention that in my job application interview, no. but uh, okay. Um, <coughs> my uh, hmm, the last one that really blew me away. Actually, uh, we had a really nice one at um, at Vera last week, the community cinema where we both work. I uh, I really enjoyed Sisters with Transistors. Cool. Uh, and what I liked about it so much was that we do a lot of film documentaries, and I feel like. There's this style that a lot of people adopted somehow, and they're all similar in a way, and it's nice, and it can be fun, and a lot of um, music documentaries are really flashy, you know, mm. and they're like edited all in the same way. Um, but this was one where I could really, I don't know, I thought it was more original. I think it was just a good movie as a movie, and it didn't feel like a typical music documentary per se, and it just really made me think about sound. And that was really nice. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Well, and since you actually, you introduced my last question already a bit. Because <laughs> you introduced the hierarchy, you like films, you like animals. So I've got a question about what your favorite movie animal is. I got three options and you can also come up with your own, but I got three to okay. get you going. Uh, Jenny from uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. That's that little donkey. Which is amazing. It actually, the, the donkey act died. It was in the news and died this year. Colin Farrell has like... Shared his condolences even. It's amazing. Um, Black Philip from the Vavitch. That's the goat. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tiger from Apocalypse Now. Or yeah, one of or, your own doing. Or any other. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit speechless, to be honest, because <laughs> I, uh, I I love the Banshees of Inisherin, uh, And I, I cried a lot um, in the scene with the donkey. Oh, you, you, I, I'm, a, I'm, a real, I'm a real crier. <laughs> uh, I cry... But it's also just we see that you like oh no donkey yeah <laughs> so I'm I'm heartbroken right now <laughs> <laughs> just thinking of Jenny <laughs> just thinking of Jenny uh, I do also love the the witch goat um, mm. what does he say exactly does thou wish to live deliciously <laughs> or something um, that's a good one the but there must be more there's so many good movies with with yeah. These are some that I came up with now. I like the tiger as well in Apocalypse Now. It's so I don't remember exactly what is it. It's do? the most consistent jump scare that keeps keeps scaring me every time. Mm. They just go out and he's like the saucier. Uh, I don't know the guy's name, but uh, <laughs> uh, Fre Fre Frederick something. Names, names. Uh, uh, anyway, he's a saucier back in New Orleans and he wants to have some mangoes. So they go offshore and they look around and you see these big trees they're just the biggest trees in the world mm. and then there is a tiger and you made them sound really small the biggest trees <laughs> <laughs> well, the people are so small and the tiger is amazing you it's an amazing jump scare mm. it's it's a great scene i love it yeah never go ashore um yeah okay Fair i enough. think we got the, 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 the well you didn't really answer it but i think your answer is i cannot pick between animals uh, yeah more or less uh well Okay, so I'll, I'll just I'll circle back to the turtle answer I just gave. I, I love this film, um, The Red Turtle, so mm. I'll go with that one. Haven't seen that one, but it's um, sure. You don't you don't really like animated movies, right? Well, I heard or this one is very good, and it's made by a Dutch guy, so there are two reasons for me to watch it. Yeah, but um, I'm not really into animated film myself, but this one is really beautiful nope. and existential. Would recommend. 
Cool. All right. Ha 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 that was fun. So <laughs> now uh film stuff. <laughs> yeah, because um, if you have read it, we are for hip, a film podcast. If you're thinking to yourself, hey, I'm not good at Dutch or anything, what's for hip? It's something like gee, quiz. Or Golly. Yeah. Um, or fudge. Yeah. Or something. Croinky. <laughs> Blimey! <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's like a polite swear, like uh, yeah. So, uh, but well, that's very hip because we we like to 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 share noteworthy films that we're like, hey, very hip. That's, yeah, that's one. I mean, it's supposed to communicate a bit of shock, right? Yeah, yeah. and then you can be like, uh, there, hip, top tips mm-hmm. along the way. So that's a bit like our program uh, here. Um, so yeah, this time, well, it, it was a summer filled with blockbusters and. Um, a lot of them were filmed during COVID, so we, we got like a lot, a lot of big ones. It, it was noteworthy to me. They were they were all good, like a lot of them, more than just your regular superhero affair. Mm-hmm. And with the actor strike still lingering, I don't think we're gonna get a summer like this next year. It's gonna Something be likely. like probably the the backline that is still got laying around. Although like one of the blockbusters that's just released is Expend Affordables, Expendables Four. <laughs> well, that's like, I think, the benchmark of what we're going to get next year. Like, films that you like, me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how you how you feel about it, but yeah, that's... Well, I remember the, the previous writer's strike, um, uh, or not the previous, I guess there, there's been many, but uh, I remember the really big one, I think 10 years ago or something, but that mostly affected, affected television yeah. series. But just a lot of great shows just had a really poor follow-up season due to that. So yeah. I, I worry you might be right. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've seen quite a few blockbusters this summer. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention a few. Um, I saw the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, although I saw it back home. It's quite interesting. Not a big Marvel fan. Like the Guardians, though. This one is totally all over the place. It's fucking dark. It's uh, I think it's a 12 certificate here in the Netherlands. But at the same time, if I were to watch it like be- before that age, and you would because it's a... Uh, it's it's quite scary. It's it's it, there is some imagery there that's that's huh. really so it's it's kind of weird. I, I I like its weirdness. I also don't like its weirdness. It's a mixed bag. But at the end, it packs a great emotional punch. Uh, th- th- there is some subverting there, which is very genuine, very very sincere. So I kind of like it. And now James Gunn can fuck off and do his own new uh, what's it. Uh, m- m- DC New <laughs> Universe. It's not the DC EU anymore, the extended universe, because it's mm-hmm. now going to be the DCU. Because that's what people were waiting for more superhero films. Anyway, consider my interest peak because I, I, I saw the, the older ones and uh, I thought those were chaotic. But um, this one is more chaotic. <laughs> more chaotic and it's darker. Uh, oh, it's very dark. Yeah, okay, it's, it's kind of grim as well. And it's mainly about uh, this time around about Rocket mm-hmm. and hi- how Rocket became Rocket. Okay. And it's uh, it's quite interesting backstory and and, and quite a, a a nasty depiction sometimes of animal cruelty. So that's like one oh. of the biggest strands that's uh, in the film. So if you're not up to that, don't watch it. Um, but yeah, other than that. Quite a nice ending. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't I wait because I feel like a lot of superhero movies are just. Um, it's. It, yeah. They kind of have the, the same 
uh, themes, right? Mm-hmm. It's always about American heroes or whatever, yeah. and that gets very boring very fast to yeah. me. Uh, and uh, if it's uh, darker than that, I'd, uh, no. I'd love to see it. No, sure. And, um, well, I mean, it's uh, it's the best Marvel movie in, in years, I think. So th- that's kind of nice. Um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Have you seen that one? <laughs> no, I haven't. But uh, <laughs> I know some people who have, and they uh, all said that they fell asleep in the theater. So that's that's quite bad. I'm an, anom- uh, uh, an anomaly in this, I think. Ah. I, I watched it, and I watched all the... In- I'm going to give a p- quick review of all the Indiana Jones movies. So the first one is well behaved, kind of nice. Like mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. Also not that you like yeah, super fun. Yay! So second one, Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. all over the place. Very funny, quite amusing. Not good at all. Not good at all. And totally also just controversial. Just, oh no, Temple of Doom is considered the worst. I, I think. No, it's, but a it, lot of people love it, right? Oh yeah, because it's so stupid. It, <laughs> it's it's very amusing. I like it because it's entertainingly stupid. But even Steven Spielberg doesn't like the movie, and I can see why. Then you have the third one. Uh, what's it called? The um, Grill Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yes. Amazing. I, I sat down watching it at Disney. I remember having seen it before as a child. Sat down was also this summer. It was all preparation for uh, oh Indiana wow. Jones. I like it prepared. Hmm. Sat down, watched it. And at some point halfway through, I texted a friend of mine who was also big into Indiana Jones. Like, I think this is one of the best blockbusters I've seen in a while. I, I It's just... Co- and yes, it's quite a perfect blockbuster. I, I love it to bits. Uh, and hmm. the acting between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford is just absolutely enjoyable in every single way. And then you get the, the weird one with Shia LaBeouf. Kind of like the ending in a weird... I'm al- always the only one who was never, even when I watched it before, never bothered by the alien stuff in there. People were like, oh, oh hey, Indiana Jones is going overboard. It's Indiana Jones. Everything is viable and believable, from aliens to Hindu gods to Last Crusades. I agree. I mean, yeah. it, uh, there's so much there that they could work with. Yeah. Um, and uh, the campier, the better. So uh, Yeah, so I wasn't expecting anything less from the new one. Mm. And I got that. I got it exactly. I, I love the ending. Let, let me say that like before anything else. I didn't get bored at all. I mm. think the CGI in the beginning to de-age Harrison Ford looks pretty convincing and is actually, if you think of it in terms of the current actor strikes and CGI and everything... Actually, I, those applications, fine by me. Like, but there is a line. This one treaded the line like very nicely. So, okay. yeah, cool. Uh, I actually got teary eyes at the end because there is this beautiful, beautiful little conversation that a uh, woman walks up to, uh, I'm not going to spoil too much, but walks up to Harrison Ford and she asks him, and he's looking very old at the end. And it's just like, where does it hurt? And he says, everywhere. And it's it's beautiful. It's kind of... And, and, and it's kind of sweet. I, I loved that. I loved it. I, I kind of loved it. it. It tanked miserably. I don't know if you... So it's one of the biggest box office flops of the year. I wasn't aware, but <laughs> I mean, it kind of had to be because I didn't really hear people wanting to go see it. And, and it's it one of the most expensive a lot, right? ever. Yeah. Um, the de-aging stuff. I haven't seen um, what it looks like in this film, but I generally just think it looks incredibly creepy. And mm. uh, I am against using it, not because of any AI reasons, <laughs> but just because it looks so bad. But oh, okay. um, maybe it improved a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I know. How do you feel about the de-aging in the Irishman, for instance? 
Very creepy. <laughs> Uncanny Valley. Yeah. yeah, well, mainly the thing for me there was the faces look kind of fine, mm. but the body movements were still quite old. There's the, a fight scene on the street where Rob De Niro kicks somebody. Mm. Ah, he moves like an old man. Uh, like You can't de-age movement. No, exactly. Mm. And I... Uh, I think in a medium that, that actually allows a lot of creative solutions to this problem, why, why not go with any of the other ones? Like, uh, you know, it's okay. People don't yeah. have to look exactly the same. No. I know that it it's really nice when you get consistency. Uh, personally, I, I really love it when they cast people who could actually be family, that kind of stuff. Mm. I, I get the appeal of that. But they could have gone for Alden Ehrlich, the one, uh, well, the guy who also plays Han Solo in the Solo uh, Star Wars story. Like yeah. I, they could have just, it's Disney, they could have gone for the same actor. But we need really. to use our imagination a little bit anyway to, you know. But I mean, it fits the story to start way earlier than where the story starts. That's how all Indiana Jones <laughs> movies pretty much start. They start like in another movie, at the end of another movie. That's See? always how it feels. Yeah. So, yeah. I kind of liked it. It tanked miserably. I hope it will still win the hearts of people uh, in years to come because I think it's a fitting ending, uh, even though a lot of people hate on it very much and don't like the ending because it's too much for them. Whereas mm -hmm. I'm like, what did you expect? It's perfect. It's perfect. It's even more over the top than what we had before. I kind of like, sure, let him let him do that thing. Okay. And then, well, we had the last box office flop pretty much, but one that I admire even more the latest mission impossible film ah. are you a mission impossible viewer um yeah so in in general i think i could say that i i kind of like blockbusters and i've seen a lot of them but i um i can't, re can't really remember them that well so i've seen all the classic indiana jones obviously mm. but 10 years ago so i don't really know what happened in any of them there's like some images there that you know i remember but kalima I, kalima right now i have no idea what you're doing so you don't know kalima no i don't wow no so uh <laughs> one of the reasons i love movies so much i think is because i remember whether i liked something or not but i can mm. watch it endlessly because yeah, like cool. the specifics are all gone which might make me a bad co-host for this show but uh, yeah we're a perfect mom uh, well, I mean, at least I can ask you a lot of questions and he'll come through with the knowledge. Yep. But uh, <laughs> Mission Impossible, yeah, I remember having a lot of fun watching those. I, I remember the classic scene, of course, like um, Tom Cruise hanging from the little rope from the ceiling. And uh, Oh, yeah, that's the first one. I yeah, watched yeah. the first one. I've, I've watched them all this summer, except for three still, but I have seen it before. Mm. But the first one is it's kind of boring, actually. I like the Palma very much, mm. uh, w uh, but I also hate the Palma when he's not doing his work. It, it, everybody's quite on form. There's nothing really wrong there. The only thing that I hate against, uh, also in retrospect with knowing what a dickhead he turned out to be, is John Foyt. But John Foyt in that film feels very... But, I mean, that's the first Mission Impossible. It's They, they keep growing and growing. And I've, mm. I've seen the later ones, uh, especially... Uh, uh, well, I think Fallout is the best one. Okay, I haven't seen that's that one. The, that's the one that came before Dead Reckoning, which is my second favorite one. How many are there now? Uh, this is the seventh, I think. The seventh. Seventh or eighth. Wow. Yeah, and they're they're, they're just amazing. I mean, territory. <laughs> this one is is ludicrously expensive, and it follows a plot that also is kind of weird. But it, there is an AI that has awoken, but it's a an AI that you can still use. So it, it there is a key, but also a, a, the key is made out of two parts, and if you combine the parts, that, that's something like that. That's the the whole thing. Wow. And they call this the entity. 
scientific the realism entity. I see. And there is and there is a, <laughs> a this nuclear submarine and then the entity and and uh, so a lot of that kind of hokum doesn't really matter. But uh, the more exciting stuff happens near the end when that's how the movie was introduced actually mm-hmm. to me. I saw this trailer of eight minutes where Tom Cruise was preparing to st- a stunt which involved him driving up a cliff mm-hmm. and then jumping up with a parachute. And uh, he did this on the first day of uh, filming <laughs> so that when he got injured, the, the whole thing would go up. Uh, and Sounds like some And he planning. did it six times on one day and then I think two more times the other day because the first time when he came down, the only thing he said was like, I didn't feel like I uh, hang on the motor- motorbike long enough. Mm. I think I can do longer. Like wow. those guys, I like the commitment. And then there is a... A, a scene on a train mm-hmm. which is so nerve-wracking I had some nail polish on my finger I could literally see that it was a nail biter because it was just gone it was gone my, my nail polish was just completely chewed off wow that's a real testimony oh yeah yeah it was amazing like that that ending half hour is just and there is another train guard and then and it another also train guard and another and another oh and it keeps on it's amazing that sounds great and so it also sounds like a real blockbuster because oh. the action element that's just something that can appeal to most people right mm-hmm. so that's great what and do you what do you think of tom cruise generally uh, i i i've got a big massive crush on him these days really <laughs> I, I i just like the commitment he he brings to every project i mean he's uh, not being as annoying as he used to be with his scientology shit so right. you're not really bothered by it when watching a movie mm-hmm. that you're s- and it's just he's the last he's, i mean he's 60 years old and doing all this stuff yeah and i uh, a lot of people know this probably but tom cruise does basically all of his own stunts oh. even when they're they extremely dangerous yeah so what that was just describing is uh, you know some guy jumping off a cliff with a motorcycle and, and then, then <laughs> acting while in this car yeah that's he, also the yeah. also the thing he keeps on acting that's yeah and there are very few actors who do this uh yeah. and uh yeah, I respect that too. We have a, a film teacher in common, and I, I was once talking to him about Tom Cruise, um, and uh, it stuck with me because I, this was kind of at the height of all the, yeah. the Scientology drama and him being annoying on Oprah. You know, that was just kind of the reputation he had at the time. And um, then uh, our teacher said, um, okay, but name one really bad Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> And and I I was thinking about it for a long time and I googled it and okay there's some stuff that oh. isn't great, but generally for somebody who's this famous and has been this productive he has made stellar choices yeah. in what movies he makes because even if it's not your thing, still within the genre or for what it is it is going to be good. Yeah, it, it, I remember the first time I actually realized how good Tom Cruise was. I was watching the first Top Gun film, which isn't a good film at all. It's quite enjoyable. It's not a good film and at all. He has all. weird teeth at the time. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> he has. He still has his old teeth, which are a bit crooked and look weird if you look at back at it because you're like, well, good that you did a teeth job. <laughs> like it looks so much fine enough. But there is this one scene where he has to express grief, and he does this. These little twi- and it's it's a bizarre plot. It's it's a bizarre film tonally. So then you get a very serious scene, and all of a sudden he has to care, and he does it by just flicking a switch. He looks half uh, away from the camera, and he does these little twitches in his face mm-hmm. before he he well, he's like fighting to cry. Watching that is just like your 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 heart is breaking right there, and he can do that w- when he wants, and it's so he's a great actor. 
you can see that in Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson, really, as well. He's, he's just a phenomenal actor. And on top of that, he does all these stunts while acting. What's your favorite Tom Cruise movie? Would that be Magnolia? Uh, I yeah. mean, if we could call that a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, if I'm watching like class, a, but a Tom Cruise vehicle, then it might be Mission Impossible Fallout, I think. I think that's even more exciting than Top Gun Maverick. There's shit there with helicopters that I won't even go into. Mm. And I think with while he was jumping off a roof, he broke his foot and he kept on... Uh, performing until the take was done. And that's the take that ended up in a movie because it looks very realistic. Wow. So, so, yeah, no. Uh, but the, the end ship with... Uh, it's Henry Cavill versus Tom Cruise, which is... Mm. Well, yeah. And <laughs> so big against big in helicopters. Well, and, oh, man, amazing. Well, uh, and they have to fight before the nuke. It, uh, it's it's amazing. It's, it's just amazing. <laughs> uh, consider me convinced. And that movie starts <laughs> off by him hanging off the... Uh, uh, an airplane... Uh, uh, wing, just like right. literally, he, yeah, he, he actually did, did yeah. that. He also like drove out of like the the um, the carriage thing of of an airplane too, right? And there's yeah. like a car and so I, I don't know all yeah, the stuff yeah, he did. He has done it all. Personally, my favorite would be Eyes Wide Shut, but that's just because oh, I yeah. love a good casting cool, cool, decision. Cool. Yeah, um, it's nice to have someone who kind of comes across as like a Hollywood creep play like a <laughs> Hollywood esque creep. I don't know. It works on a lot of levels, but. Uh, that has nothing to do with our blockbuster summers. So, so uh, are you a bit? Uh, you're you're convinced, I hope, by my Mission Impossible runs. I loved it. Yes, but, but okay, cool. Because I thought, well, um, I mean, I, I yeah. love action movies. Yeah, cool. it's it's a, uh, I think, kind of an overlooked genre within the, the action movie is lover crowd or the film lover crowd crowd, I should yeah. say, because I think a lot of moviegoers uh, um, love action films. Yeah. They're exciting and they're big and it's just a good and if night action out is that good then well uh no more complaints on my half <laughs> okay uh, well i'm i'm wearing a thematic t-shirt for the day um mm -hmm. because uh, well the, the main two films that we had were barbenheimer of course have you have you done a barbenheimer i have done a barbenheimer you've pulled a barbenheimer i've pulled a you barbenheimer, pulled a barbenheimer? Yeah. yeah pulled a barbenheimer and uh <laughs> bought an outfit especially for it um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I saw that before with Gronika. You did an episode on on film and fashion. I'm really sad to have missed that one, but maybe we well, can, we can uh, always revamp it. <laughs> <laughs> There's English. always more to be said about that. But yeah. uh, um, speaking of fashion, so your shirt. Yeah. Um, uh, everyone's probably familiar with with the beautiful Barbie font, right? And it's mm. a hot pink. And uh, well, that is new T-shirt is. Um, uh, a t-shirt with that font on it in hot pink but it doesn't say i'm a barbie girl or anything like uh, i am knuff <laughs> or whatever it says now i am become death the destroyer of worlds <laughs> yes, <it does>. <laughs> <laughs> very nice yes and yeah, on t-shirt yeah yeah uh, okay, okay. Uh, you you want to do the Barbenheimer-infused Vrachtsitu of the week? Oh yeah, the Vrachtsitu. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Take charge. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this before, but there have been a lot of people discussing what would have happened if maybe the directors um, switched movies between Barbenheim, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. So if Christopher Nolan had directed <laughs> Barbie and Greta Gerwig had directed Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Mike and still written by so also screenplays. I don't know. This is just a fantasy we scenario. We could, yeah, we could make I mean it very complicated. But my question so for you is different actually. Okay. Um, if you could 
see one of the summer blockbuster films um, I'm most interested in Barbie and Oppenheimer I have to say mm. um, being directed by other directors who would you choose and why I know it's a difficult one but I know I'd that like you can do see, this I'd like to see I think Christopher McQuarrie's Barbie starring Tom Cruise as Ken I, I don't know who McQuarrie is <laughs> that's the guy who does the Mission Impossible film ah, I he, see. right now he has uh, he's he just works on Tom Cruise vehicles ah. so he's also one of the co-writers of Tom mm-hmm. Maverick I found out he just works on Tom Cruise vehicles that's, that's so it would be like Mission Barbie it would be Barbie b- Impossible it would be Christopher McQuarrie's Barbie starring Tom Cruise as Ken I see it would be a follow-up Barbie 2 Sure. Isn't Ken supposed to be eternally young, though? And isn't Tom Cruise eternally <laughs> young? Oh, no, we're back Here on we the go. de-aging software. <laughs> oh, oh, he is good. eternally young. I mean, he's 60, and there's still a volleyball scene in fucking Tom, uh, Tom Good Maverick. Okay, that's yeah. impressive. Um, yeah, it's really impressive. But uh, uh, what, what would be the appeal for you? What would you think it would have that the well, current now Barbie I, doesn't? I hyped myself up for Mission Impossible so much by talking about it. that mm. That's just stuck in my head. I think uh, Chris Nolan doing Mission Impossible would be less interesting because he always does uh, spy, or always, but he has done spy movies that, that's already in his repertoire. True. I mean, Nolan's Barbie... Nolan doing Indiana Jones. There is a time element in Indiana Jones. True. I don't know. I I, I I like Nolan doing Oppenheimer so much that like let Nolan just do that shit and um, yeah, Christopher McQuarrie's Barbie too would mm. be a good one. Okay. Or Greta Gerwig doing. I mean, we could Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> it could be really cool um, uh, stunt scenes with Barbie's pink car, right? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that would work. I mean, you could crash that out of a plane yeah. with Tom Cruise in it. <laughs> That's yeah. his face is lighting up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I don't know if any big shot director is listening, but here's some free ideas yeah, for you. Um, that was the Frax to do. Okay, uh, so uh, Frax to is just a it's a it's a random uh, segment. Rubric. We're, we're thinking rubric, of a new name. Rubric. Rubric. What's rubric. Segment. The, the, the section. <laughs> podcast. Yes. So, Barbenheim, what do we think of it? Do we love it? Do we hate it? Where shall we start? Shall we start Barbie? Shall we start Oppenheimer? Shall we start at both? Shall we start at the phenomenon, maybe? Did, did you do a... Sorry. Did you do a Barbenheimer? N- no. You, you watched them separately? Yes. What, what interval and which one did you see first? I think I had two days between them. I did see Oppenheimer first, and mm-hmm. I heard by everybody who watched it that that's the order. So they came out on the same day. If you if you lived under a rock, they came out on the same day. Big thing, biggest blockbusters of the year, mm-hmm. not even of the summer. Came out on the same year. Well, was a big thing. I'm wearing a t-shirt now. That's how big it is. Great for cinemas. People f- came in from all sides. They were like literally... Crawling through the, the air vents and the ceiling just to get into the screenings, be like, "Yeah, we want more Margot Robbie. Why isn't she in Oppen?" So um, yeah, and the joke being, of course, that Barbie and Oppenheimer are very different movies, and yeah. um, you would expect them to appeal to maybe different audiences if you mm. were to <laughs> think kind of stereotypically. Um, but uh, a lot of people wanted to see them both. And wanted to see them both on the same day. That's what yeah. I did. But uh, and uh, people dressed up and everything. Did yeah. you have you had an outfit switch as well? No, I didn't. I considered it, but I love my Barbie outfit so <laughs> much that I just stuck with it. Cool. And yeah. and and so, how was the Barbenheimer experience for you? You were more of the connoisseur on this. <laughs> uh, it it was really great. I mean, uh, I went with uh, with the group from our community cinema, and um, 
everyone in that group just really loves film and everybody loves different things about it but uh, it was really great and we started with Oppenheimer and um, there were a lot of people in the room that I I knew kind of by by coincidence Um, I had friends sitting in a lot of rows Uh, that's just life in Groningen I guess (laughs) just know people Uh, and um, I don't know. I think uh, for me personally, I, I thought Oppenheimer was really exciting, like some parts of it. I really liked everything that was like leading up to the bomb specifically. Um, like everyone, I really enjoyed Florence Pugh and I also liked some of the political drama. But, and here's my but, um, <laughs> a friend of mine who was sitting in the room at the same time described the movie later to me as, uh, what's the runtime? Three hours. Three hour long trailer. And I really agree. I just think it's... Um, t- I was really frustrated by it. It looked, okay. it looked very pretty. And, uh, you know, it was uh, an intense experience. But I, for me, it felt completely flat. Okay. You loved it, right? I've seen it twice now. Yeah. Uh, like a, a good boy. Um, just for the record, if you haven't tuned into our show before, because mm. you're not even able to speak Dutch or anything, I don't like Christopher Nolan films. That's that's the... Uh, I don't like his films. Huh? That, that should be clear. <laughs> I have nothing against the man or against his directing skills because there are always interesting things in his films. So far, I thought that The Dark Knight was his best film, but it wasn't my favorite by any shot because it's it's quite cold and remains at a distance for me so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not able to completely in like but I mean there's so many great stuff in there Heath Ledger is amazing and, and everything is kind of amazing so I'm really on the same page yeah I, I, I feel like he has some great stuff but I it's yeah. just not really for me I think yeah. it's a bit uh, flat in, Interstellar for yeah. instance great score great moment when he's crying sitting and <laughs> listening to his daughter like those great scenes are in there but also just absolute stupid things that make the whole experience uh, less than the sum of its parts such as the whole black hole sequence and oh and there's a robot here to explain the, the exposition problem of Nolan is a big thing for me Women are a big thing. He cannot write a woman, really. Um, <laughs> then he wrote Tenet, which was the first film that everybody that was a big Nolan junk started to nitpick. Like, for the first time, it became so obvious that these problems were there. But for me, the feeling was like, haha, yeah, he has always done these things. It's always been a problem. And really? then Oppenheimer <laughs> came. And I was already kind of psyched for Oppenheimer because of its subject matter. I, I do like that. Uh, also, just uh, how long ago has it been that a studio has committed so much money to such a revered director for him to, or them, I should say, to make a biopic? Mm-hmm. That hasn't really happened. So, right now it has overtaken Bohemian Rhapsody, which uh, is the film about Queen, uh, as the biggest selling biopic of all time. I mean, so I, I really don't like Queen, so for me this oh. is great news because you know, yeah, at, well, l- at least at least they did that. Well, and I mean, it's kind <laughs> of kind of insane if you think about it and what it does. So, just from a industry perspective, I think this is incredible. He has managed to put out a story of complete and utter political ambiguity and and crippling feelings as well, while at the same time feeling forced to do something, which is produce a bomb because. What if Hitler has one? He has managed to screen this all over the world. There are only minor changes in uh, screenings, for instance, in the Arab world, where Mm -hmm. Florence Pugh and Killian Murphy all of a sudden were like 
CGI'd clothes in really? that one naked scene. Yeah, but I mean, sure, you know, if if that's the the lowest thing that you have to do to get it screened there, be my guest. So it has screened all over the world, raising all these questions, and it comes out in the year where, for the first time since the 80s, the arsenal of active nuclear weapons has increased. It has been decreasing since the 80s, and now it has, for the first time, increased. There are more active nuclear weapons than there were last year. And that's because of the film? Nope. Oh. It's, it, but it, it does mark a, like a quite an interesting moment in the, in the zeitgeist. So, all that aside, th- that's already quite amazing about the film, even without really having delved into what the film is about. And mm-hmm. Well, I think there are quite a, a... One of the things that Nolan always does is that he mixes physics and science into his scripts his scripts therefore become often puzzles and and become very mechanical Mm -hmm. they always miss an organic edge what he did to to compensate for that or to what he did right this time around for me was that he actually really found the poetry of his physics namely quantum physics and as Albert Einstein says in the movie and which is a key moment of the movie for me is here you are lost in your world of probabilities that's pretty much the whole movie. It's about, but what if history went that? Uh, but what if his? Uh, but and what if? And what if we set the whole world ablaze? So it's uh, and well, actually, that what if section is also then uh, imposed on the political perspectives of uh, Oppenheimer because Oppenheimer turns politician. That's kind of the necessity of the job. And well, everything is with so much care, and everything is precisely right for me. And I, I sat there feeling also like. I get the feeling that Oppenheimer is politically completely lost. What should I do? I know at least what I shouldn't do. I get the feeling, at least that's for me, like that's the political landscape. A lot of people, the, the silent majority maybe even of reasonable thinking people occupy right now. So I, I like it as a political movie, even in that sense. I like the the, the poetry of uh, probabilities of quantum mechanic, uh, mechanics that's posed. I really delved into physics as well, just like as a, a more of a curiosity, whereas I don't have anything with physics. All the casting is amazing. So even if women are written wrong, then Emily Blunt is there to set it completely right. He apologized to Florence Pugh, by the way, for only giving her such a small role. Mm. Florence Pugh does absolute wonders with it. I love uh, Jason Clark as Roger Robb, the... Uh, um, Attorney uh, General, what is it? Well, the guy from the uh, who does the the interview, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I like Benny Safdie, one of the directors yes. of uh, when he he plays a very annoying guy who uh, is very brilliant, and just from the moment he sets foot in, you know, ah, yeah. What that a guy was bu- presence. Yeah, and that guy was bullied in high school. I, That's the, I the couldn't keep my eyes off him. Yeah, not just for <sighs> physical beauty, which he has, but I, I uh, there's just something in like this really piercing look that he has. I, I think it's beautiful. And I always have this feeling that I can tell Hungarians apart. <laughs> like I, o- <laughs> I sat down in a new classroom the other day, and there was mm. a guy sitting. It was like you're Hungarian, even before I knew his name, which is always the question. Mm. He isn't Hungarian, Benny Safdie. But just from the way he entered, the, and it was like, you're playing in Hungarian. And well, that, well I'm, I might be exaggerating a bit, but that's how good those uh, casting on the edges are. Also, David Kumholtz as uh, Isidore uh, Rabbi, who has con- he, he plays this guy with amazing, uh, the, sometimes the little smiles that he gives and mm-hmm. the way he doesn't look you in the eye. It's just amazing. So 
one of the things that I really took, my favorite film award of all time is the Roger Oldman Award for ensemble casts, mm-hmm. which if you just look at the list of films that's on there, those are the films you should be picking up. Oscars, fuck that. The yeah. Roger Oldman Award. This film, definite contender, and for me, the, should be the winner for the Roger Oldman Award. I think this as an ensemble cast is just absolutely pitch perfect. So Okay, but I have a question yeah. for you. Because what my problem with this film was, was that I felt like it was supposed to be kind of a psychological investigation, or no, an investigation of the psychology of what it's like being an academic working on world's most prestigious project mm. ever. Um, while dealing with feelings about guilt, because obviously it's quite a dangerous project. I felt like that theme was very clear from the start. I felt like nothing happened with it. What we were looking at was just Oppenheimer standing there being like, oh, I feel guilty. Oh, I want to be important. Mm. And like nothing else. And that was really boring to me. Oh, I don't agree at all. (laughs) No, please tell me what you saw. I, I... don't think we ever had a movie shot on IMAX that's so much focused on faces. Hmm. So what you got was an incredible view on and, and constantly locking into Killian uh, Murphy's face and all the other faces. Like I mentioned, David Kumholt's performance mainly relies on little smiles that he gives and not looking you in the eye. And it's, it's just that big cameras on his face. You have that scene where he's talking about we're going to kill all the Germans when he just like successfully uh, detonated this uh, atom bomb. And then he feels the whole, like a rug is being pulled and everything. I actually felt like those moments really came close to very good psychological horror cinema. When he sits down with President Truman and he says, I feel like I got blood on my hands, I absolutely believed it. So I also think that this is probably an Oscar-winning performance, but I I, I totally went with it and I actually Mm -hmm. felt like for the that record, element I of the movie succeeded. What I, what I was surprised sure. by was how political this movie was. Yeah. And for how the record, I, I yeah. wasn't talking about Killian Murphy's uh, performance. I've been very much on the Killian Murphy yeah. bandwagon since I was like 12. I, I love him. What a face, one. Yeah. Two, uh, just a really, really good actor. And I thought he was really good here, too. I just felt like there wasn't much for him to work with, which is probably a crazy thing to oh, say to wow. someone who loves the film. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I recommend I you watching convinced. it again. But, <laughs> no, I, I don't think that it's going to change your mind necessarily. It might. But, I mean, there's I'm, definitely yeah. some truth to watching it in a certain vibe that you have, right? And yeah. your perception. Yeah, I, th- I think it's amazing. And I g- like I told my friends, I got bombs exploding in my head, like at least the day after. It's a, yeah, amazing, uh, amazing accomplishment. So Interesting. I think it's one of the films of the year. And I think it, in the end, will outshine Barbie a bit, even though it's a bigger success and has some cultural mm. uh, uh, critiques that are amazing. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of Barbie? I expected to think that Barbie is like... Uh, yeah, fun and, you know, just a, 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 a fun outing. That's what I expected to think of Barbie. And I love fashion and I, I like a lot of the people who worked on the film. So I just expected to enjoy it and that's it. Um, but I liked it more than that, actually. Um, I, it's by no means perfect. I think it's going very hard on like some political themes that yeah. are like on vogue right now and you kind of have to delve into mm. um i read some critics saying that it was kind of doomed from the get-go because on the one hand it sets out to kind of um criticize this whole capitalist mm. idea and patriarchy and all the uh, standards women have to live up to and all that kind of stuff 
while it's also just this really big studio movie that is trying to earn a lot of money by mm. making people <laughs> want to buy more Barbie stuff. And obviously it's a film about, um, you know, a, a toy that created a lot of problems for people um, yeah. around these themes. So, I mean, I, I think that's all very true. Um, but what but I, I yeah. what I didn't expect, and, and maybe that was silly of me because I, th I think I should have expected it in retrospect, was how beautifully the the existential themes played out and i think margot robbie was just a good acting choice because she's a really good actor and uh, i think it worked her not, not only an acting choice of course she's the producer the sure producer, but yeah. i mean the, the way she it's kind really of her film yeah yeah um, even though ken almost walks away with it no don't be mistaken <laughs> this is margot robbie's and greta Gerwig's film it really is yeah. and it, it's it's i think it just kind of so that's also why i think all the critique that you just mentioned mm -hmm. throw it out of the window throw it out of the window 1.4 billion the first female directed film to cross the billion uh, dollar mark in terms of uh, uh, profit that it made yeah uh, kind of amazing and let's just celebrate it for what it is, especially in the current political landscape of America, which is really leaning more towards the other side uh, currently. So yes, and I, I get the feeling at least. And so what the film made what what made the film really convincing for me was that it also just really looked at what does it mean to try to be perfect, and also what it means to actually be a human. And I just didn't expect it to go that deep yeah. and i think it was successful and i like ken i think the analysis <laughs> of men through ken was just like that was the best thing the best element at least that analysis mm. in in writing that's that really sharp and incredibly well performed by the immaculate ryan uh, gosling <laughs> <laughs> he is immaculate you cannot say anything about it i've tom never really seen him do anything bad tom cruise or ryan gosling Oh, let's skip that. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you have to answer. I'm not going to answer. Okay, no, um, I'll let it go. Yeah, I think Barbie is very funny. I mean, I had some friends. I have friends. I'm very blessed to have friends all over the political perspective. Uh, so I had some friends uh, who were very skeptical before. They were like, oh, there we have another woke. And it's like, just go and see it. You like Will Ferrell. And he's so funny in this. <laughs> this is a fucking catastrophe. I mean... It's it, just go for it because it's such a good comedy and then uh, stay for it because it's such a good film. Something like that. Will Ferrell's my Ryan Gosling. He <laughs> <laughs> really is. I think I've seen Zoolander about 50 times. I dressed as Jacobi Mugatu, played by Will Ferrell. I've never seen Zoolander. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ASMR. Uh, but um, we'll discuss that. Anything more on um, Barbie? I don't know. I think it's it's over discussed probably. It's yeah. I I know that's what we're supposed to be doing here, but yeah, no, it's <laughs> good. I like the phenomenon. Go and see both if you still haven't. Uh, really, go see Oppenheimer on the big screen though, if you still can. I think Barbie will do. Uh, I I don't know how big the rooms still are with Barbie. It was very nice to see it with such a mm. fanatic audience constantly. But Oppenheimer on an IMAX if you can. Well, you're not going to get it for a few years at least. So, uh, yeah, go and see that, I would say. That's uh, that's really something uh, Locally, unique. they're still playing at least. Yeah, well, uh, that was a wholesome conversation. Very. Jolly G. Uh, for hip. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything that we're looking out for in cinemas coming up soon? Uh, yeah, so I was, I was thinking about summer blockbuster uh, films, because that's the theme of this episode, which I'm not sure we actually really... Um, 
It was more of an, uh, just overlooking the summer blockbusters of the summer, I think. Sure. Uh, but, but yeah, but one that I haven't really discussed the Jaws or anything. But I mean, no. those are, I think we even discussed that in this podcast already before. Or Star Wars. Yeah, no, you no, always no, get no, back I to I the same ones. You're I, like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant this past summer. I was just wondering if we introduced the subject correctly. But um, no. anyway, uh, I'd been reading about um, um, past lives. Yeah. Uh, which in the U.S. was a summer film. I don't know if you could call it a blockbuster, but... No, uh, blockbuster. I'm looking forward to seeing that really one. It seems very existential, very romantic, and looking at the trailer, just really beautifully made. So yeah. I, uh, I, uh, that's I what heard, I'm looking I heard it's to. one of the films of the year already. Although, yeah. So, I, 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 like, voices that I respect told me that I was going to like it very much. Same. Do yeah. you have any tips? Killers of the Flower Moon. I've been looking forward to this Martin Scorsese movie for ages. Um, Martin Scorsese finally making a Western. And when I say finally, you're like, why finally? He's never well, he has flirted a lot with John Ford canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John Ford is problematic as he is, looking back at it. Still one of the directors that I really lean to. I'm a big Western fanatic. I love Westerns. So to uh, see The Irishman, for instance, which has these incredible Ford references, and not even Ford references, it uses film language in a Fordian way. Mm-hmm. And when it, what I mean by that is that the film doesn't make sense for at least three hours of the three hours and 20 minutes that it does. And then in the last 20 minutes, all of a sudden, and especially in that last shot, for me, it made emotional sense. Only then. I call this a Fordian punchline. I've written about it one time. This is how the searches works. This is how the man who shot Liberty Valance works. This is how the Irishman works. And probably how the Killers of the Flower Moon will uh, work. Because, it's, uh, again, three hours, 20 minutes. I heard a lot of critics saying, well, it is the right length. So uh, that's good to hear. It will probably find more of a market on small screens. Mm-hmm. In the end, I think Martin Scorsese is doing it very deliberately and is working in a way with... Apple films and with Netflix in a way that's that's also like this is how we should do it for all the younger generations and for you Netflix uh, nutheads this is how we should do collaborations with uh, uh, films on these streaming services so I like that can't wait yeah Jesse Plemons Robert De Niro Leonardo DiCaprio a lot of actors that we don't know because they're Native Americans so also a lot to look forward to and and just a great story don't know if you know anything about the story no not at all it's about how the FBI came into existence in the end. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a okay. So yeah, that sounds really interesting. And uh, personally, I don't know how you feel about this, but I I like longer feature um, lengths because I just hmm. I think it's good to learn a little bit of patience. Yeah, it's rare now that you just well, sit like around for three hours and do the exact same thing without moving yeah. at all. I like three hours when. It's made by a good person. I don't like it, for instance, uh, when you're watching two and a half hours of a Tarantino movie, (laughs) usually I lose my patience. It's like, this could have been so much shorter. Yes. Yeah. Bo's afraid, too. You could cut a half an hour out of it, at least. Disagree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know you like it. For the full panic attack um, experience, you really need to be immersed for a long time. Ah. Because they feel endless. That's the whole point of a panic attack. But, um, yeah. Okay. So the film should be endless too. Yeah, yesterday I watched uh, Amadeus, which is also <sighs> three uh, full hours. Never seen it before. Really loved it. Is it too long? No, three hours is, is Just right, right on the money. It's so luxurious. That, uh, I, I love the luxury of those type of movies. And, and well, sure, let it be for so long. I have seen it. I remember next to nothing. 
<laughs> but it's a very long time ago, and this is my brain. I do think it's a good movie. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's quite amazing. Yeah. Well, um, I think that was a, a good show. We've fulfilled fifty minutes. Ooh. Yes. Uh, I hope you tune into our new and refined for hip a film podcast show. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, uh, you can find us on Instagram at for hip and film podcast. Um, I, I might change this to at for hip a film podcast mm -hmm. since we're going English. So I'll, I'll see about the handle, but you can at least type in for hip and usually you find us <laughs> or add an email uh, uh, for hip and film podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Anything you want to say to the people, to the viewers? Um, no, but I want to say to you, thanks for a fun uh, pilot. Well, mm -hmm. I, I, it's not really a pilot because you've been going for a while, but for me, it <laughs> kind of was. Uh, and, well, uh, it's an English pilot as well, so. Sure. Looking forward to the next one. You? No. See ya. So, now that was a well answer. Now, ooh. So.